Tonight again, we're going to be sharing communion. So please, I want you to get something ready so that you can join us. So amen. The Lord bless you. And uh, we just pray for this time. Father, would you sanctify this time? And we sanctify it. We give over this next hour to you. And uh, we thank you that we can meet this way. We prefer to be together. But thank you, Lord, that we could meet this way and celebrate your broken body and your shed blood for us. And, and we thank you for it. So just bless our time together in the word. And Father, I just pray that you'll touch all those viewing the same miracle working power that is at work every Sunday, is at work now. And Lord, there are people watching that need a miracle, that need healing, that need their fortunes reversed, their finances changed, their jobs restored. God, we want to thank you for it. And we're trusting you for an outcome uh, during this time together. So we bless you. Lord bless you. Just want to share something tonight with you. And uh, then we're going to share communion together. And so I mentioned to you, I'm just right at the beginning. I was just touching on the power of sight and the power of vision and the necessity of sight in these days. And um, particularly now during the lockdown and how we need to live out of sight. The Bible shows us that we can know God just as we know our wives, our husbands, our friends. And the way that we know him is by seeing him in that sense, seeing him spiritually. And it's, I'm talking about the spiritual sense of sight. And you really need to get that message. It was extremely powerful. Many people were touched and blessed and contacted me. But before I continue, you know, it was several years ago, there was a brother in our church, a very big man. And uh, there was a particular prophetic word that went out. And he started to walk very quickly from the back of the church, right at the back towards me. And I looked at him, and as he came, I started to make declarations, and um, I started, like, prophesying, and uh, he thought that I was prophesying to him, but I was actually just prophesying. In fact, I was prophesying to myself, and as he was walking forward, I was saying, and you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And you shall lay hands and cancerous growths shall fall off. That's what I was saying as he was walking forward. Now, he was starting going, yes, amen, yes, amen, taking for himself because he felt a call to go into ministry. But I was actually making a declaration and I was prophesying to myself. I wasn't even really aware of it. <laughs> and when he came forward and I lifted my hands to pray for him, he started to go down in the power of the spirit, but he started to fall towards me. Really big guy, two guys had to grab him. But as he came towards me, I put my hand on his head and I could feel a growth under his hairline. And uh, I grabbed him and I said, what is this on your head? And he said, it's a growth and it's going rotten. And it was in the nature of cancerous growth. He said it was so bad that his wife used to tell him to sleep the other way around. She said, I'd rather smell your feet than the rotten flesh smell on his head. And he was too afraid to go to a doctor in case what he said that what the doctor's diagnosis was. And I prayed for him and I declared again, and cancerous growth shall fall off in the name of Jesus. Wow. He came very excited to the office around about that Thursday or Friday. And he showed me, he said he woke up on the Wednesday morning and he went to brush his hair and he was being very cautious about catching this thing. And the Lord said to him, no, look in the mirror. And when he looked, the whole growth, it was about three centimeters round in diameter the whole growth was just hanging on by some strands of hair. And he literally just pulled it off. And all of that stuff was gone. <laughs> and when he came, he showed it to me. It was a bald patch in his head there and was just scar tissue, big patch of scar tissue. And um, 
I then prophesied to him and I said, you will not even have scar tissue there. And uh, it was not even a month later, he came and he said, look, prophet, check here. And he moved his hair and the hair had grown through. There was no sign of that growth whatsoever. Low wrong quest, when your name came up and I greeted you, and I'm hoping that you watch this, but I felt like the Lord is saying, the anointing on you is not only going to be for cripples, not only be for those with canes and walking sticks and wheelchairs and braces on their legs, but you're going to start to see an increase in the healing of cancer and especially tumors. Cancerous tumors are going to go in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, whoever wants that can take that because Amen. I've been crying out to God. I've been saying, God, I want to see more. I don't want to see one healing every now and then. And I'm so grateful for Jacques that's up out of the wheelchair and walking. But I want to see this more and more and more and more. So ever once it, take it. It's Amen. a prophetic word for someone out there. So the Lord bless you. Okay, I want to just share a little bit with you about the need to act in order to activate. So I want you to listen to this and uh, understand that very often we're waiting. We're waiting for something. And, uh, you know, God is waiting for us. And just a quick personal testimony. I'm partnering this with Sunday's word. If you can, please go onto YouTube, uh, go onto our website, go to last week's meeting or Facebook, go to the Sunday past meeting and watch it, living in the power of sight and uh, power of seeing. And so one of the things that was a weakness with me, look, one half of it was a strength. I used to pray about everything. You know, I would pray and pray and pray and pray and expect and wait for God to move until one day I realized that after prayer, God was waiting for me to do something. So I needed to do the second half of prayer, and that was to act in order to activate. And so just very quickly, we learned this with our house when we wanted to extend our house and build and add on to, on the house. I mean, I prayed. I prayed for finances. I prayed for you know, whatever that, you know, somehow that God would help us to extend the home, do the add-ons that we wanted to do. And when God spoke to me that I needed to act in order to activate, I realized, well, the first thing I need to do after prayer is trust God for an architect and go and get drawings done. And, and because, you know, we were always broke, um, I sowed an amount that I needed to pay the architect. And the first thing I did was got the drawings. And from there, then we started to look at what we wanted to do uh, as far as the extensions, for example, to extend our main bedroom and put an ensuite bathroom. And so after the plans, I realized I needed to act and try and get together some kind of a quote. Once I had a quote, I sowed an amount to get the tithe amount of the quote amount, if you can understand what I'm saying, in order to be able to pay for the building and then as money came in i committed it to bricks i committed to windows i committed it to lintels and it was something that i was saying on sunday morning when you move with vision god acts in provision he responds to vision in provision but you need to act my pastor always used to say this you can tell a man who's got mountain moving faith because he's going towards the mountain with the wheelbarrow and a shovel in other words he's going to act and see God released. Now, right throughout the Bible that you can find this, God's kingdom doesn't work like the world. And uh, it's almost on its head. And so even when it comes to finances, God says, give, and then you'll get. You've got to act in order to activate. And uh, if you show mercy, you will be shown mercy. If you forgive, you will receive forgiveness. You know, there are people with deep needs of love and need to be loved. And the way to receive love is to love. 
So you will be loved when you love. You will be reached out to when you reach out towards others. Isn't it amazing that, you know, when you die, you live. If you take up your cross daily, you find your life and you live. And so it's the same with the word. You know, we want to see, then we believe. God says, no, believe, and then you'll see. But believing is just another way of seeing, seeing in the spirit. But believe first, then you'll see. Act, and then you will activate. So I'm really excited this People in our church who are not looking at the lockdown, but at this particular moment, they're using this time to study, to upgrade their qualifications because they know we're going to come out of this pandemic, we're going to come out of lockdown, and they're going to be primely set, positioned to step into something that God has for them. They're really struggling. They're struggling financially. They're committing money to their studies. And it's interesting. I was speaking to the one brother and he's head of our ashes. And he was just telling me just before the lockdown, he was doing some work and the lady who he was working under in forensic auditing sponsored a particular set of studies from the United States so that he can be more qualified in forensic audit. And so he's used this lockdown time to train. He's moving with vision. He's acting. And I guarantee you, and I prophesied to him that God is going to cause him to be activated and to be positioned. The worst thing we can do in this lockdown is to sit with a lockdown mentality and uh, to sit in a, in a sense of captivity. No, no, we need to be enlarging ourselves. It's very interesting that the Bible shows us that when we move towards God, he moves towards us. And the prime example of that is the prodigal son. God didn't go chasing him, but when he came back to his senses, when he got up and he went back to his father's house, his father went running to him. If we want to see God move, we need to move ourselves, to act on faith, act in order to activate. So if you're wanting a job, get your CV out. If you want promotion, study something. Don't just wait for this mystical favor. And I'm not knocking favor. I'm all for the favor of God. But, you know, favor is very much linked towards your attitude. Favor is very much linked towards your investment in yourself and the way that you serve and the way that you go about you know life, the way that you conduct your attitude. We need to act in order to activate. Just a couple of verses that I want to share with you. And I know with Vilma Deploy, as Vilma launches out and goes to uh, Pennsylvania in the United States and starts to move with vision, you know, God responds. So if we act, you know, God will be active. If I put it this way, but in the positive sense of the word, if we act, God will react towards us. And so, you know, a story that we know so well, Genesis 12, 1 to 7. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Very interesting that the Hebrews tells us that he was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. And every city that he went past, I'm sure he looked at it and went, no, that's not the city. What he didn't realize that he was looking for to us, that together we are the city of God. But however, the Bible says that he saw it from a distance and welcomed it. But God said to him, I'll make of thee a great nation and bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. But guess what he had to do? He had to act. He had to move. He had to do something. Come on, if you want your life to change, so many times it's been said, and I'm sure you've heard it, if you want a different outcome tomorrow, you've got to start doing something different today. You've got to act. There are people waiting for extra income stream, passive income. Well, you've got to do something. You need to get out there, do something, market yourself, 
get flyers, hit the street, you know, do something, you know, in order to get that extra income stream. God said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But listen, I repeat, but he had to leave his hometown. He had to leave his extended family and he had to go somewhere where he didn't know he was going and God was showing him where to go. And um, he had to trust God, but he had to leave. He had to act in order to activate. So it says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Iran. You know, this gives me hope. We're never too old to act and for God to react and uh, for God to bless us. You're never too old. Move with God. God has got vision for you. God's got a plan for you. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Isn't it amazing? If they hadn't left, what if they hadn't left? It says all these substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go to the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land into the place of Sikkim and to the plain of Morah. And the Canaanites was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared to him. So if Abraham hadn't left, we would not have been here. Isn't it amazing? He couldn't have been blessed. Sarah couldn't have been blessed. He wouldn't have become a father. He wouldn't have been declared righteous in the sight of God. He wouldn't have been a blessing to the world. But he had to give up family. He had to give up home. He had to get out of his world, out of his comfort zone, go to somewhere that he'd never seen before. And a question that I want to ask you is this, you know, in order for us to move on into what God has for us, is there anything that we have to let go of? Is there anything that we have got to get out of? Do we need to act in any way in order to activate, you know? And uh, sometimes we love to hold on to things because they're familiar to us, hold on to places because they're familiar to us. But, you know, those very things prohibit us from getting into the blessing of God. I phoned a brother once a couple of years ago, and uh, I was awake from about three o'clock in the morning and I'd spoken to him on a few previous occasions. And uh, very early in the morning, I think it was just after six sometime, I phoned him. And uh, this is the way he answered me. And he said, Prophet, why today of all days are you phoning me? And I said, well, I was awake from three o'clock praying for you. And he said, that's strange because I was awake from three o'clock. And he said, I'm in a strange place and I don't know where I am. And immediately I knew that the dream I had for him was correct because God was wanting to move him out of something that he was in and move him on to something else. And the vision that I saw, I don't know if you remember the circuses with the trapeze artists, you know, swinging high up in the sort of peak of the tent. And, uh, you know, he'll swing off and someone on this side will swing another swing towards him. And uh, it, when it gets to a particular point, he has to let go of this one somersault and grab a hold of that one imagine what a disaster it would be if you kept holding to this one and try to grab onto the next one and i feel that there are people watching and it's not necessarily a geographic move i believe it's a spiritual move god wants to move you into spiritual blessing but you somehow there's certain things that we have got to let go of and move on into it's amazing to me how so many christians want to be used of god want to be blessed but they're not living God's way. They will live together instead of being married. They will not tie. They will refuse to be baptized. You know, they don't believe in speaking of tongues and, you know, they don't want to come to church, but they want to be used of God. You know, you see them once in the blue moon, but they tell you they want to be in ministry. You know, you can't 
serve God your way. You have to serve God his way. And so we need to let go of things, lay hold of other things. So it could be worldliness. It could be wrong attitudes, wrong belief system. It could be sin. You know, it could be a host of things. It could just be that you're just holding on to what is comfortable. It's interesting to me that Hebrews 12 talks about the sin that easily entangles and the weight that besets us and uh, to put them off. And the picture is of the Eastern person with the long robe and the way they would hitch the robe up into their belt. They would gird up their loins. In other words, free their legs so that they can run and to move into the things of God. And so we need to act in order to activate. So, you know, there's a host of things and I'm just trying to encourage you. God really spoke this to me this morning. And um, it was in Acts chapter 3 from verses 1 to 10 with the lame man at the gate, beautiful. And Peter and John went up at the hour of prayer, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, um, you know, when they got there, this man was begging for alms. And they said, uh, look at us, look at us. I practice that. You know, get the person to look at you because we can bring them healing. We can bring them life. And they said, look at us. We don't have silver. We don't have gold. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. But Peter had to do something. He acted in order to activate. He took the man by his hand and helped him to his feet. And when he helped him to his feet, the power hit his legs. And uh, time and time again, I've seen this when praying for the sick. Now, like I said, I used to just pray about everything and not act. The praying part was good, okay, but we need to move into action. There's times not to act, you know, if it's a negative situation, but understand what I'm saying in the context of the word, there's time to act. And more than not, especially praying for healing, is getting someone to respond in a way, you know, that will test that healing. Now, the same thing, if you want God to bless you, you need to move out of the things that he can't bless. You need to move into the things that he can bless. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, very powerful passage of scripture it was this passage of scripture that God called me with. I had memorized it somewhere in my Sunday school days. And uh, one night my life was not right. And I was crying out to God. I was so hungry for him. And I was saying, Lord, please, will you use me? And immediately God spoke this particular passage of scripture. And he says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. Now I can just say this, just on a practical level, you can be unequally yoked with the believer. For example, in business, if you don't have the same values and the same outlook, you know, you need to choose business partners carefully. But anyway, that's for another time. Maybe that's for someone watching. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? That's the devil. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You know, believer and an unbeliever. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, God says this, wherefore, come out from among them, act, and in order to activate, he says, and be separate, wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. This sentence God spoke to me more than 35 years ago, maybe, so it must be, yeah, it must be going closer to 40 years ago, as a young man, and God spoke to me. You know that I committed myself to the Lord on the basis of the next day, God started to use me. And he said, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, wow, what promises? That I will be a father to you 
and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Seeing that we have those promises, God reminds us, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. In other words, don't be yoked, don't have anything in common, don't have fellowship, don't be in agreement, therefore in harmony with things that are wrong, with things that are sin. Move out of those things, unspiritual things. You know, there are things that are not sin, but that can hinder us. There are things that are not sin, but can be so comfortable to the flesh that it can affect us spiritually and hinder us from moving into the things of God. It's amazing to me that the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the absolute Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives as believers is becoming old fashioned. You know, we need to get back to yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. He is Lord and take him at his word. And so God wants to live with us, walk with us, to be our God, and for us to be his sons and daughters. The condition is, come out from among them, be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Like I said, get out of a comfort zone. Get into a place. Now, on a practical level, I feel like I just need to say this to somebody. There are times when you need to confront. There are times when you need to put down boundaries. There are times when you need to speak to people that are taking advantage, using you and whatever, and to put down a clear boundary in love, speak to them. And, um, you know, you can pray and pray and pray, but I'm, a control freaks are not going to get the message. And, uh, you know, there's a time to act. There's a time to lovingly and graciously put down correct boundaries and let people know your soul is not for sale. You're not to be taken advantage of. You're not to be used. You're not to be used as a doormat. Jesus was not a doormat, but he gave himself to the hands of the wicked to be crucified, but it was in the plans of God, but he was never a doormat. He was always in control. And so the promise of God is that he will receive us into favor and into communion. So when we separate ourselves, it doesn't mean isolation, it means insulation. We're in the world, but not of the world. So now I know, I know, and, and I'm speaking to, I like what Andre Bluchnot says here, comfort has become our status quo. You know, it's all about how comfortable, how secure we are and things like this. And, you know, if you look at the disciples, you look at anyone who does anything for Jesus, they were radical and they sacrificed things, you know, and they gave up things so that they could move with God. And so we need to move with God, act in order to activate. So I know that the Lord wants to move us higher, closer, deeper, but we may have to leave some things, do some acting. Very interesting to me in First Kings chapter 17, when God said to Elijah, go down to Zarephath, I've commanded a widow woman there to take care of you. And of course, when he got to the town, he saw the widow woman coming out and collecting a few sticks. And it's interesting, God said, I've commanded her to feed you, but she didn't act like that God had commanded her. So when Elijah said, go make me some food, she said, well, I've just got enough meal and oil to make for myself and my son. Then we're going to eat them. Then we're going to die. The prophet says, no, first, first, go make some for me. And the implication is that, you know, three, three odd years, because the drought was three and a half years, we don't know how long he was at the brook, but for a significant period of time, because she gave first, and I believe this was a daily thing, she gave first to the prophet out of her need, first to the prophet every day, the meal kept multiplying. Now, I don't believe that it suddenly became a wagon load full, you know, because it would have gone off. I think... You know, my opinion is that every day it was the same amount of oil, the same amount of meal. But when she first took for the prophet, there was enough for her and her son. And it multiplied back to the same amount. And that's how they lived. They lived by faith. And so sometimes we've got to act even out of our small means. We need to give 
towards the thing or towards whatever God shows us. Now, a very quick testimony. For many years, my wife and I were trusting to be debt-free, which we are now, more or less, more or less debt-free. We've just got a little bit left, and I know God is going to finish that. And we wanted the bond paid off, the mortgage paid off on our house. So what did we start to do? We started to sow into other people's homes and then believe for our home. And, and we didn't have a lot of money. We were struggling to do our extensions. But whenever we wanted to do an extension in our house, or a renovation in a house. We picked on someone. We did a renovation in their house. We sowed into their house. God blessed us. We sowed into ours. And then we started saying, well, let's sow towards their bonds and trust the Lord to sow toward our bond. And so eventually the vision came to pass, but we had to act in order to activate when some very gracious and, you know, it was, it's not so much about my faith even, but about the giving of others and that graciously paid off our bond. And so we need to act. And again, I just want to remind you of Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 with the layman. They prayed for him, but nothing happened until they took him by the hand and said, get up and strength into his leg. Sometimes we're praying, God, bless me with another job. God, I want an increase. God, will you give me a promotion? And then that's all we do. Well, how about looking up a college near you and signing up for some kind of study and seeing if you can improve your qualification? Maybe get to work a little bit earlier. Maybe serve someone else in another department and make them great. I saw it on Facebook recently. I think it was a Spanish and a Kenyan runner. I may be wrong. It was one of the distance races. And uh, the Kenyan runner saw the end of the goal, but he thought it was sooner than where he was. And uh, the Spanish runner could easily have overtaken him. But instead, what he did was he ran around because he realized the Kenyan runner was not seeing where the finish tape was and pushed him and shouted him and told him to start running and that man got silver instead of gold but he helped someone else to win gold you know that man is going to be blessed and so get into other departments make others look good you know so something act in order to activate and of course you know attitude is really really an important thing you know attitude says a lot attitude john maxwell says will always determine your altitude there's one thing about a plane to fly horizontal you can't fly it horizontal because what will happen, it'll start to go into a dive. A plane has to be a flown and they call it with a positive attitude. It has to be slightly nose up in order for it to fly straight. And of course, if it wants to elevate, it has to elevate even more. So attitude, flying with a positive attitude, attitude will determine your altitude. Psalm 1 verses 1 to 6, the gatekeeper of all of the Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners, and he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. I remember one day God speaking to me. There were people in our church that were always mocking. They had different names for everybody. You know, if there was a, somebody that was slightly round, they would call them the beach ball or something like this. Just really derogatory. And I mean, I would never say those things, but I always laughed at them. And one day God said to me, spoke to me very clearly. He said, why are you sitting in the seat of the scornful of the mockers? And I said, but Lord, I'm not. And he said, you give tacit approval by laughing about the ugly jokes they say about other people. And I had to repent of that. And so our attitudes are important. And he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night which doesn't take the counsel of the ungodly. It doesn't stand in the way of sinners 
and it doesn't sit in the seat of the mockers. No, you know, his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates there and night. And listen to what God says. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water, acting in order to activate. Don't do this and do this. And then this will happen. God will react when you act. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I've mentioned it already. And uh, there's so many, so many scriptures that we can go through. But I just want to encourage you. I know God wants to bless you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans, the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. And God spoke this to Israel when they were in exile and they were nearing the end of the 70 years of exile. And God was trying to tell them and say, your exile is coming over. The lockdown is going to end. And I have got thoughts for you, th thoughts of hope, plans for you, of hope, plans to prosper you, plans for a future, plans for your well-being and welfare. The King James says, for an expected end. In other words, God's expectations over us. And so God has great blessing for us, but we need to move. We need to act in order to activate. So what practical thing can you do? So you want to move from here to here. You want God to use you. You want a promotion. You want to get your job back. You know, you want your business to be revived. What can you do in action? And of course, there's always giving and then there's always sowing. But I really believe that God will give you a word of wisdom. I believe that there's some wisdom, there's something that will be the key to unlock. And very often that very key is that it challenges um, something in us. It will cause us to do something. Now, I just want to give you this very quickly. I learned a lot from Johann's father, Prophet Kribus van Rensburg. And one day he said, uh, I've got to just remember the thread that I'm going on now. One day he said he was telling the story. He walked into the bathroom and changed. He loved cars, especially old classic cars. And he'd been working on it and he had overalls on it. And it was full of grease and oil and stuff. And he walked in and he just chucked it on the floor of the bathroom and um, washed up and changed into smart clothes. We had to go back to the office or up to the church. And God said to him, pick up those dirty clothes and throw it in the wash basket. And he said, Lord, that is why we have a domestic worker. The domestic worker will pick it up. And he said, God said to him, if you want revival, pick up those clothes and put it in the wash basket. He said, well, he grabbed those clothes <laughs> so quick and he threw it in the wash basket because he wants revival. Now, I had something so much similar um, happened to me. And I thought maybe I was being a little bit, you know, I like Andre Bluchner because he says, we're not perfectionists. We just believe in doing things well to the glory of God. And uh, I was thought I was being a bit of a perfectionist, but something similar happened when we were praying and believing God to have our bond settled, our mortgage settled on our house. I remember I was walking around the house one day and God spoke to me very clearly. And he said, get your house in order. And I actually got a fright. Because immediately, I remembered Isaiah prophesying to King Hezekiah and saying, get your house in order, you're going to die. And my first question to the Lord was, no, I don't, want to know. I don't think I want to get my house in order. Am I going to die? And the Lord said, no, no, you're not going to die. But get your house in order. And when I walked around and I looked, and there was a whole lot of unfinished business, skirting boards that weren't finished, cracks in the wall that I need, I'd been promising to patch up and repaint and things like this. And God said to me, get it in order, finish what you began. And that became something in my life from that moment on. And that was quite some years before our house was paid off. And I kept saying, God, why must I get the house in order? And God just kept speaking to me about finish what your hands have begun. Finish what you've begun. Finish what you've begun. I feel that there's some of you that need to finish off the last word, the last prophetic word that God spoke to you. 
And, uh, you know, you need to finish it off. You want another word. You want to go on to something else. You want to move into the next phase, but you haven't finished the last phase. You've got to finish that before you move on. There's something about completing and finishing the last word. It's interesting that it's one of the things that God said to Zechariah, you began it, you're going to finish this project. And I remember, oh, it was about 2004. I had a stroke. Praise God, God healed me of it. And uh, we had just started the first lot of extensions on the church. And I suffered the stroke. I was really in bad shape. I was not well at all. And I remember one day getting someone because I couldn't drive, driving me up to the church and dragging myself in and looking around at, you know, that lot of uh, extensions on the church, half finished. I remember looking at it and said, Lord, well, this is it. This is the end. And God spoke to me so clearly. And he said, your hands have begun it and your hands will finish it. And you will see the completion of the vision. And um, that became such a motivating force. There's something, there, some of you have got to finish off the last thing God showed you before you move on to the next thing. Act in order to activate. And so maybe we should just end with a couple of verses, then we'll go to communion. Second Peter 1, 3 to 11, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness through these, our knowledge of him and his glory and goodness, he has given us great and precious promises so that through the precious promises given by our knowledge of him through his glory and goodness, we might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in this world. And then Peter goes on to say, for this reason, add to your faith. Come on. God doesn't want you at the same level spiritually that you were when you got born again. He wants you to add to your faith. And so we've got to be growing. Add to our faith, he says. Make every effort to add to faith. Goodness, you can look up these words yourself. Goodness, knowledge, in other words, keep growing in the Lord to self-control. Don't give in to the flesh. Perseverance, keep going. I like what King James says in Romans 5. It's experience. It produces experience. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly love and to brotherly love or mutual affection brotherly love complete love and he says if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ this is the new international version he says but whoever doesn't add these on nearsighted and blind in other words you're not living out of vision forgetting that you've been cleansed from parsons he says brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you'll never stumble and and i like what the king james says it will stop you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the lord and you will never backslide you will never fall but then he goes on and he says but you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our lord jesus christ in other words king james says an entrance a rich entrance into kingdom things will be ministered to you We've got to act in order to activate. I trust that um, we have touched on something. I really felt this strongly. Praying is good, but it's not enough to pray. We need to act. We need to do something. We need to move. And if there's anybody watching, get out of comfort zones. Move on with God. Immerse yourself in the word. Pray. 
It's amazing to me how everybody wants to be spiritual. Everybody wants to be used of God, but they don't want to set time aside to pray. They don't want to immerse themselves in the word and meditate on the word. They don't want to be committed to church. They don't want to witness that, you know, they'll give when it's convenient, all of these kind of things. But when you speak to them, they want to do missions. They want to go on outreach. They want to be used of God. They want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But you need to act in order to activate. Now, I'm not talking about works, but I'm talking about the fact that James says, show me your works and I'll point out faith. It's not works for justification. We're justified by faith. But once we're justified, man, I've learned that we need to act and I'm going to keep acting for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To activate God. And so Johanna's going to come back online. He's been acting. And I know that God has activated him tremendously. He's just launched on all the platforms today, his new album. Yeah. And it's called You Made a Way. You Made a Way. In other words, uh, when we act, God activates. Isn't it interesting that even Moses, he didn't just stand there and pray. You know, God said to him, stretch out the rod, the rod of authority, stretch it out over the sea. And he held it there all night. He acted. And then God reacted in order to activate. And so, come on, you need to stand up and bless your business. You need to pray blessing over your family. I believe the reason why my children are blessed, so blessed today, beside the values that I instilled in them and good balance between love and discipline. You know, discipline is not a lack of love, but that good balance. But every single night without fail, I would come in from doing ministry, out visiting, whatever. They'd be asleep and I'd be standing in the doorway of their rooms and I still pray for them daily now. I'd stand and stretch out my hand toward them and bless. Act in order to activate. We can't be inactive. Right throughout the Bible, it's divine human cooperation. I'm just trying to think of the, the king's name. It's the early part of Second Kings when Elisha was about to enter the cloud of witnesses. And uh, he came and said, you know, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. In other words, when Elijah was taken up, Elisha received the mantle because he saw the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. In other words, he saw the angelic force. He saw heaven open. And this king, he came and said, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. In other words, if you go, you know, where's the presence of God? If you go, we are the angels. We are the, and the king said to him, yeah, take the bow and aim it out the window. And then the man of God put his hands on the bow. In other words, he was saying it's divine and human cooperation. If you want to see the chariots and the horsemen, understand you got to do something and God will act with you. Then he said to him, take the arrows and strike the ground. Remember, he got angry with him because he only struck it three times. And he said, you will only defeat, I think it was the Arameans, you'll only defeat them three times. You should have continued striking the ground and you would have defeated them forever. Yeah. And, and so we need to act and keep on acting. You know, out, act out the word, start to move with the word and uh, we'll find that God will come with us. He sent out mm -hmm. the disciples to preach and it says, and God worked with them. That's, that's what makes us co-laborers. Awesome. Yes. Um, get you. bread, get the cup, let's eat together. The broken body, the shed blood, let's eat. I just I feel a word for somebody there watching, and it, you might be watching this after the fact. And it's a double up word. It's a double up. There's, the Lord's given me a double up on this. And number one, so just very quickly, one happened in Wackerstrom where we have a church, a town here in South Africa. We have a church there. And right early on in the church plant, I was going to be preaching there and driving there. The Lord spoke to me about 
a lady who had a condition in the top of her lungs and um, that um, this particular disease would be like fatal, you know, and that he was going to heal it. And so in the message, I called it out and a lady sitting right in front of me responded. And it's interesting that that disease is called sick cilia disease. That's what it's called, sick cilia disease. And the prognosis was, and when I, I spoke to him, I said, God is healing your lungs. And I said, and the doctors have said that you will not see your grandchildren. And I said, I'm saying, God says, you will see your grandchildren. And um, the Lord healed her instantly that night. She was never able to go out into cold air or anything like that. She always had to carry around that, um, that breathing assistant stuff and, and things like that. And uh, that night she went out in the cold air after the service. Her lungs were fine. Next morning she put on her shoes, went for a run in mist. Her lungs never closed up and she was healed. And so I'm just feeling that there's somebody watching either now or afterwards. There's an issue with your lungs. And I feel like right now that the Lord is healing your lungs. Somebody, there's a wheeziness in your lungs. There's, there's some kind of a condition. I don't know if it's emphysema or that kind of situation. It might even just be flu. You can just ask the Lord to just raise your hand right now. The Lord will heal you as well. Any issue with your lungs, I believe the Lord is healing right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. So look right at the device, look right at the camera. And I speak life to you. I can give you life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be well, live in Jesus' name. The double up to this as well is this. There's somebody that has a fear of premature death. You're young and you fear premature death. I'm telling you now that Lord says, you shall see your grandchildren and you will help to raise your grandchildren. So you're not going to die anytime soon. You shall go long and you shall live well in Jesus' name. Come on, take a deep breath, act to activate. Your lungs are healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So as you're watching now, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious towards you. And in the process, the Lord is turning his face towards you. And uh, we are speaking blessing. The word bless in the Hebrew means uh, to place under the hand of God. So in this moment, we are placing you directly under the hand of God. And the hand of God is a hand of blessing. It's better than the Midas touch. You know, the Midas touch, King Midas, everything he touched turned to gold. But God's touch, he's got better than green fingers. If he touches you, you grow. Well, you get healed, you get blessed. And so the Lord bless you. Uh, the Lord prosper you. The Lord keep you. Uh, the Lord give you peace. The Lord cause your joy to overflow. I want to declare that you will go out with joy. You shall be led forth with peace and there will be a reaction. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands as they see the glory over you that has risen upon you because you can arise and shine because your light has come. The city on the hill cannot be hidden. A candle is not put under a bushel. No, it's put in the place to shine. So you are the salt of the earth. You give flavor to this world. You preserve it. And don't underestimate yourself. Uh, you are more effective than what you think. And you've got a place in the kingdom and in this world. And you are salt. So the Lord bless you and Amen. your family. In Jesus' name. Bye-bye, everybody. God bless.